Amen. Good morning, Harlem. Let's go to God in the word of prayer. Our awesome Father in heaven, we come before you just thanking you for giving us another day. Father, for giving us life. Father, for also protecting us as we travel here to come before you and worship you together. Father, I do pray that you continue to work in our lives. Father, I don't know where each of us stand this morning. Some of us may feel uh, excited and emboldened and encouraged that we get to come before you and pray and uh, pray with with a clear conscience, pray with a, a heart full of gratitude. And then there are others of us who may think that our lips are too unclean to come before you. We may think that our minds and our thoughts are too corrupt to come before you, to think that our lives are not where it should be in order for us to come before you in prayer. But we know that you extend that invitation to everyone. And God, I pray that no matter where we are today, that you will open your eyes, that you will open your ears, you will open your heart and open your arms towards us as we come before you. And I pray that you will deepen our understanding and our conviction about prayer and help us to take full advantage of this gracious gift that you've given us to draw us closer to you. It's in your son, Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to continue on our theme of prayer. If you can turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, most of us who are familiar with the story of Nehemiah, Understand and remember that this story has a wall in it, and it seems like we've been hearing a lot about walls lately, right? But we're not going to focus on a wall this morning, amen? Unless you have a wall in your life that you need God to knock down, then hopefully something in this, this sermon today will help inspire you to move God to move those walls. But let's look here at Nehemiah. You know, there was... Something going on in Nehemiah's hometown, just to give us a little background here. And, and uh, Nehemiah had, and, you know, at this time, God's people had been carried off into exile uh, because of their disobedience to God. He, he punished them by uh, using their enemies to enslave them, to teach them to further obey God. And God told them that through uh, several prophets that they would be carried off as a, as a uh, form of punishment for disobeying God and breaking covenant with God. And, you know, some ways it's, it's very similar to today. When we don't walk in the ways of God, we find ourselves enslaved to many things. We find ourselves enslaved to things that were once no longer an issue in our lives, but when we stop following God's ways, we find ourselves ensnared by those very things that God had freed us from in the past. And so this story, you know, it's a a sad story to start, but when you read through the story of Nehemiah, you find some encouraging things. You see how God can use anyone to inspire a nation, to encourage a people to move forward towards, back toward God, and it only, and it started all with prayer. In Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, uh, they said to me, you know, Nehemiah had some friends who had come, in, had come from his hometown, and they brought him some news. It says, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, 
and his gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive. Let your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We've acted wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed your commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They're your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, I was cupbearer to the king. You know, we don't really know a whole lot about Nehemiah except the fact that Nehemiah was a passionate man. You can hear a lot of it about it, you know, through his prayer. He was very passionate about his hometown. He's very passionate about his people. We also see that he was a persistent man. He could have just taken that bad news and had a pity party for himself, but instead he took it back to God. And he made his plea before God. He was a focused man. You read through the story of Nehemiah, he ran into opposition when he went home to rebuild his wall, to to fortify this great city. And he would not allow himself to be distracted. He was resilient. He had a no-quit attitude. He stuck to it until it was done. And the thing I want to focus on this morning is the fact that Nehemiah was a praying man. You know, Nehemiah got some bad news, and he cried about it for days. You know, sometimes life can have that kind of effect on us. Ain't that right? You just you find yourself getting some news. Maybe you, you were getting ready for work and, or getting ready for school and you look at your phone and you get this text and you're looking at this phone. How come this person is, is calling? How can they call so many times? And you finally check your voicemail only to hear some bad news. So bad that you had to call out from work. And all you could do is sit down and weep. You ever had that time in your life? You know, Nehemiah, he pulled himself together and he prayed. I think that's a big lesson for us. You know, when we get bad news, what's the first thing you do? Some people eat. You know, I've been saving this pint of butter pecan ice cream for just an occasion like this. You know, when my nicks don't do well, that's the first thing I want to do. Giants are not even in the playoff run, so, you know, I might have put on a few pounds, but the first, sometimes, you know, for me, it's either eat, I just want to take a long nap. I just want to go to sleep. I don't, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to answer. I don't want to look at anything. I don't want to hear anything. I just want to go to sleep. 
Nehemiah cried. His heart was broken because he loved his people. But he also knew that this was too big for him to handle alone. And therefore, he turned to God in prayer. The title for my message today is Pray Like You Know. Pray like you know. There's a saying out there, act like you know, right? Well, I think before you can act like you know, you need to pray like you know. Because you got to get that confidence from somewhere. you got to get that faith to act from somewhere. And it usually starts with prayer. You know, for Christians, we go to God to get our our strength. We go, we rely on God and his word and his Holy Spirit to empower us to do the things that we don't know or think we can do. We no longer rely on our, on our smarts or our own strength. We go to God because we know that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And so we, we're called to rely on God, to lean on him, and to lean on each other. So my encouragement to us this morning is to pray like you know. The first thing I want us to look at is pray like you know who God is. In Nehemiah chapter 1, it says, I said, Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God. You know, he acknowledges who God is. Yahweh, it was the name that God had, had allowed his people to call, but it was so sacred that they took, word, they took letters out of it because they didn't feel like God's name was worthy to be said from human lips. But they knew who he was. He was the God who created the heaven. You know, nowadays people are putting their prayers out to the universe. They, they put it out there hoping that it will fall, on, uh, fall along the lines and, and, and everything would line up and, and, and hopefully they would have a favorable outcome. Christians, we pray to the one who created the universe. We don't pray to the ones in the universe. We pray to the one who created the universe. But do you believe that's who God is? Do you pray like you know who created the universe? He said the great and awe-inspiring God. This isn't just some some God you can come to and and have some some flippant conversation with. This is a great and awe-inspiring God. When was the last time you had your breath taken away by God? When was the last time you were left speechless simply because you were in the presence of the Almighty God? You know, there are things that God has created that can take our breath away. There are things that God has done that has left man speechless. Even the brightest minds in our society can't explain it. There are some people who have dedicated their entire careers to explain that awe-inspiring moment. That's the God we get to go to every single day, every single time. You know, Nehemiah acknowledges who God is. He said he's in heaven. He's beyond us. God is lofty. He said he is great and awesome. God overwhelms us with just his presence alone, beyond our comprehension. God is breathtaking. In Exodus 24, Verse 17, while Moses was on the mountain receiving the commandments from God, it says, the Israelites, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire. 
Not like a matchstick. Not like that little flame you see on your stove when you heat up your tea in the morning. Not even a candle or a campfire. He said, when they looked up at that mountain, it looked like a consuming fire. And that was just the glory of God. That wasn't even God himself. That was like the backside of God or maybe God's robe. They didn't, they, they, no man can see the face of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 28, that God is a consuming fire. When we come before God and worship God with reverence and awe. You know, when we come to worship God, there's a certain attitude we need to bring with us. An attitude of reverence and awe. An attitude of, we know who you are, Abba. We acknowledge who you are. So when we show up to worship, we don't just bring a certain attitude, we bring the proper attitude. If you've ever gotten a ticket and you know you're guilty, but you want to plead your case anyway, and you go and you stand before that judge, how do you approach that bench? Do you walk up there like, yo, I didn't do it? Or, hey, judge, can you just cut me a break? I mean, come on, you know, you guys make a lot of money. This, you know, it's... No, 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 no. When we approach that bench, we are as humble as we possibly could be. Your Honor, uh, um, can you speak up, please? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, Your Honor, I, I really didn't, I, I didn't know. You didn't see the sign? Your Honor, yes, yes. I just ran in to get my, my, my Frappuccino. I didn't expect to be there that long. But if you can find it in your, in your, in your you know, in your heart to forgive me. I, that $85 is a lot of, it's a lot of money, Your Honor. I mean, how do you approach? Because you know he has the power to forgive and pardon. Do you give more respect to man than you do to God? There's a reason Hebrews said that when we come to God and worship him, remember, he's a consuming fire. You know, these are snapshots of that recent California campfire. The way they described that flame, the way they described that inferno, was that it was a consuming fire that swept across California. It burned, it burned enough land, it was larger than, than, the, than the city of Chicago. That's how much land it burned. Anything in its path was destroyed. When we go before God, it didn't say that God is a little candle or God is a, like a matchstick. No, it describes God's glory as that of a consuming fire. That's who we worship. That's who we go before. And here's the kicker. He also says that you are gracious and faithful, keeping your covenant with us. Why would a God who's a consuming fire care about you? Simply because he loves you. A God with that much power to care about people like us. That says a lot about God's love for us. So when we approach God, we're approaching a judge, we're approaching someone who has the power to destroy us, but yet will relent because he simply loves you. 
simply loves you. In Psalm 119, I love this psalm, it says, May your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. You know, we can approach God with the confidence when we're following his word, when we're doing our best to follow the example that Jesus left. We can go before God and ask God to make ready your hand to help me, because I've chosen to follow you. We need to remember who God is, church. See, God is our provider. In Hebrews, I'm sorry, in Genesis 24, 22, verse 14, says, Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. You need a place that reminds you that God has provided. It was done for Abraham on a mountain. He changed the name of the mountain. We don't, I don't know what the name of the mountain was until Abraham went up. He was going to sacrifice his son to show God that my heart is totally devoted to you. And I'm not even going to withhold the promise you gave to me. It all belongs to you. And the angels called from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, stop. You've proven that you will not hold anything from God, even your one and only son. And that changed Abraham's life. So much so that Abraham said, you know what, this place is holy. I'm changing the name of this mountain. On this mountain, God will provide. I don't know what that mountain is for you. Maybe it's your bedroom. Maybe it's a little closet in your home or your your apartment. Maybe it's somewhere in the park. But we all need a place that reminds us that God will provide. Because God always provides. And we can go before God because we know that God is our provider. God is also our strength. In Psalm 73, verse 26, it says, My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. You know, the scripture describes some of us here today. Some of us, our health is failing. Took you a while to get up that hill, right? Your heart starts beating, your chest starts pounding a little bit, man. Like, man, that that walk from the parking lot didn't used to bother me as much as it did a month ago. I'm like, what's going on? I remember going up a flight of stairs thinking, man, something's not right. Like, why do I feel so winded? And, you know, you're not the same person you were 20 years ago. I was reading my Bible the other day, and the words started looking blurry. I said, no, no, I'm doing this. I'm like, no, not my eyes, Lord. And, you know, we want to deny it. We want to deny it. You know, I I started coaching my son's basketball team, and, and you go in the gym, and you try to show them little things to do, and you're like, hold up. All right, come here, come here. I need somebody. Do this. And you, instead of showing them by example, man, you got to get an assistant. I mean, you're not the same you anymore. Your health may be failing. And you know, sometimes when our health goes, so does our spirit. We start to get discouraged. We get sick. We're like, oh, not again. I never get sick. Things change. You know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, do you feel drained? So I'm telling you, life will suck the life right out of you. 
Life consumes us. Consumes our money. Consumes our time. Consumes our energy. Consumes our resources. When's the last time you had a decent vacation? I mean a real vacation. Where you actually didn't need a vacation after you came home from vacation. Some of us spent most of our vacation worried about what we got to do when we get home from vacation. So you didn't really have a vacation. Life just consumes and consumes and consumes. But God can give us the strength to do what we need to do. You know, when Nehemiah faced opposition, he remembered who God is. And instead of praying, God, take this away, here's what he prayed in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9. He says, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work. And it will not be completed. But I prayed, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. Now, here's the thing, church. God can't refine us if we're not willing to go in the furnace. We have to be willing to persevere through the trials that God uses to refine us, to shape us, to mold us, to build us up into the people that we want to be for him. But we got to be willing. We can't just ask God to take away every problem. Problems help mature you. They help shape you. Now look, there are some things that, that's just beyond us. God knows what those are. And God will strengthen your hands when you need him to. My thing is, if he hadn't taken away Jesus' cup, what makes me think he's going to take away my cup? Jesus went to him three times and prayed. He was going to die on the cross. So if Jesus is not going to have his cup removed, you shouldn't expect to have yours. Instead, like Jesus, he stepped up. He was resolved because the Lord had strengthened him. We need to ask God to make us stronger than the opposition we face. We need to ask God to give us the strength to push through, to not quit, to keep going, to get up one more time and allow God to strengthen us. And then lastly, we need to pray like we know what God can do. Pray like you know who God is, but then we need to pray like we know what God can do. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. You know, I love that. Here's this moment. Nehemiah has this, his chance. He goes before the king. The king notices the, that, that something's not right about Nehemiah. He knows something's off. He's not in his usual self. And so he goes before the king. He, he's the cupbearer. He brings the king, you know, and that whole job in and of itself is stressful because the reason he was the cupbearer is because you had to tip, sip the wine before you gave it to the king to make sure that no one poisoned him or was trying to poison the king. So in a lot of ways, it's sort of like the secret service the president has today, willing to take a bullet for the president. Nehemiah was in the king's secret service. So he already had a stressful job. He was very close and had a trusting relationship with the king. So he went before the king, and the king noticed he was downcast. And I love this simple interaction right here. 
What is it you want? And then he prayed. You know, sometimes it only takes a few seconds to utter a prayer. We don't know what Nehemiah prayed. I can only imagine he probably said something like, God, give me the words to say. Or, Lord, give me the strength. And then he put it out there to the king. He didn't know if the king was going to answer him or not. But the point is, Nehemiah's life was characterized by prayer. And so instead of just going on his own understanding and his own strength, he stopped for that split moment and prayed. You know, I believe God is asking us the same question today. What is it you want? What is it you want? I think some of us have been turned off by asking God for what we want. Because we think, well, that's not really spiritual. So I'm only going to pray for spiritual things. All right, you can pray for spiritual things. I'm going to pray for both spiritual things and unspiritual things. He's my father. Why can't I bring anything to him? Why can't I ask God for something that I want? And to trust him to just make the decision. That's what our children do, right? They don't just come to you and say, Ma, I need some new socks. Dad, I need some new pants. Ma, you know what? I need some more uh, vegetables in my diet. Can we go get some? What do, they, what do our kids come to? For what they want. Daddy, can we go get Dunkin' Donuts? Can we go to Big Mac? I'm like, you guys don't need all that stuff. Yeah, but we want it. They don't have a problem asking because I'm their daddy. So when we approach God, we shouldn't have a problem asking our daddy for what we want. This is a relationship. And here's the thing. While we're on the mountain of the Lord, we've got to get specific. Enough of these general prayers. Lord, help me. Okay. I already did. I hope you get up this morning. What else? I mean, help you do what? Help you put on your pants, help you tie your shoes, help you... Help you do what? Specific prayers are bold prayers. They're well thought out. They're thoughtful prayers. Keeps us from babbling. When you really think about what it is you want and what it is you need, sometimes you can even talk yourself out of, you know what, God, I really don't. You know, now that I think about it, now that I'm saying it, I'm hearing myself say it, I really don't need another pair of shoes. Yeah, you know, I can just, but thank you anyway. You know, I mean, we can, we can talk ourselves out of it. But the point is, we need to be specific in our prayers. You know, Joshua wanted to re- get a, ve- a revenge against his enemies, against the, army, the enemies of God. He prayed very bold, a very bold prayer over in Joshua chapter 10. Turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 10. You guys still with me, right? Joshua chapter 10. Let's read in verses 12 and 14. It says, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Agilon. I mean, first of all, it's one thing to pray a prayer, a bold prayer like this just between you and God. Because there's a slight chance that God may not answer, right? It says here that Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. 
How bold is that? He gets up. He's prayed something that no one has ever asked God to do. He has no reference point. He can't say, like you did for Moses, like you did for Abraham, like you did for Joshua, he can't, Joseph. He can't go back and say that. This is the first time in recorded history someone has asked God to stop the sun, to stop the moon. And here's what God's response was in verse 13. So the sun stood still. And the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book. They had to write this thing down. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There had never been a day like it before since or like before or since a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. I mean, come on. How bold to put that out there before God. God, extend, give me the time that I need. Keep the sun up and don't let them move down. You know, I believe God, I believe God answered his prayer simply because Joshua believed God could do it. It wasn't like Joshua is the most righteous man who walked the earth. It wasn't like he was sinless. It wasn't like he was perfect. He just simply believed that God could do it. Why else would you put out a bold prayer like that? Unless you believe God can do it. You know, we need to get specific in our prayers. Instead of saying, God, we're short on money. I can't afford to pay this unexpected medical bill. Please help me. We got to get specific. God, we're short on money. I can't afford to pay this unexpected medical expense. Your word says in Philippians 4:19 that you will provide all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I need $800 to pay for this medical bill. Please provide a way for this $800 to need to be met, either by providing the money somehow or providing an idea or means legally of obtaining this money. If you find a wallet on the ground and it has cash in it, that's not the answer. The state of New York expects you to turn that wallet in with all its contents to the local authorities. God is not going to answer your prayer that way. But we got to get specific. God, when I look at my account, we got X amount of dollars in it. This cost this much this week. This is coming out this week. I have to do this this week. I need to do this this week. Father, I need, in order to stay afloat, in order for us to cover all our expenses, we need X amount of dollars. That's specific. Get specific with God. Because that shows you believe he can do it. And be bold about it. Hebrews says that we can approach God with confidence. That we can boldly go before God with confidence. Don't just state the problem. Tell God what you need. God, help my husband. Help him to do what? Lord, help my husband's attitude. 
He's been discouraged lately. His job, he doesn't know if he's going to have a job at the end of the month. Father, help him to believe that you can show him that you're still with him. In fact, you said in your word in Matthew 28 that you'll never leave nor forsake us, God. Help him to see the true God. Help him to believe that you can do it. And not only that, Father, give him a job where he can show his true talent, where he'll be respected, where he'll be appreciated, where he can move up, where he'll make enough to provide for his family and feel like a great, like he's doing a great job and he's being a man. That's faithful. God, my wife and I have been talking about having kids for years. Father, we need you to intercede. We don't want you to just help us. God, we're praying that you will help our hearts, that you will help our attitude, that if it's not your will physically, then by other means, help us to be parents. Father, this is, who we, this is what we're praying for. Father, if it comes to adoption, we would love to help save some children in this part of the world. God, we ask that you will give us the funds, that you will give us the schedule, that you will help our careers to be intact so that we can provide for these kids and give them the help that they need. We've got to get specific with God. God wants to know what's on your heart. And when God answers that prayer, your faith gets elevated beyond what you could have done on your own. See, God is looking to take us to places that we've never been before. God is waiting to do something in your life that's never been done before. Why can't you be like Joshua? Why can't you, why can't God do something that he's never done for anyone else before in your life? I refuse to believe that God is done with answering bold prayers. Do you know that every year we've held our annual love feast? I pray specifically that God would not allow the rain to ruin our service. And there was one Sunday where it started raining. And I said, God, you can move heaven and earth. You can do what I can't. I can't stop the clouds. I can't control the weather, but you can. Your word says that if anything I believe, if I believe, I will receive whatever I ask for in prayer. I held God to his word. I'm like, it's written right here. I got it in writing, Lord. Be faithful to your word. And as Wander and I was in the car, we prayed that prayer. We got to the spot. I saw the clouds open up. I saw the sun come through. And then after that, I said, God, who am I that you would answer that prayer? I'm no one special. So if God can answer a prayer like that for me, what can he do for you? I'm not the only one with the Holy Spirit. I'm not the only one who made Jesus Lord. I'm not the only one who's trying to do this thing. So are you. So why can't God answer your bold prayers? The Bible says in Ephesians 3 verse 20, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, we have the power to move God who can move the mountains in our life. You know, let me ask you something. Which one are you? Which will you choose? You know, our efforts, we could get a little hole if we, we took the time and dug a little hole. But I would rather have God 
God can move a lot more than you and I can. Even if we all work together, God can still move immeasurably more than you and I can ask or imagine. Who are you going to rely on? Whose strength will you depend on? If you believe God can do it, he will not prove you wrong. What did Jesus say to the father who came to him and asked him to save his son? He said, do you believe that I can do it? It will be done according to your faith. Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Don't just take that loss. Don't just walk away and say, okay, well, I guess God is. No, you go back to God. And if you got scripture, that's even more favor in you. Because now you can hold God, hold him to what he wrote. Now, here's the thing. There's one thing that we got to keep in mind. God's not going to give you something if he feels like it's going to ruin your life and draw you further away from him. That is love. That's love. You know, sometimes as a parent, we have to say no to our kids. And that is the answer. And no matter how many times they come, the answer is no. Until you're either in a better place, you're more mature, sometimes it's just not now. It's not no forever. God is not going to give us more than we can handle. And if he feels that it's going to draw us further away from him, then God will say no. There are many examples of God not answering prayers. When Paul wanted to go a certain place to evangelize, God said no. It's not that he didn't want the people there to be saved. It's just now is not the right time. I want you to go here. But it all brings us back to trusting in God. Trusting in a God who can do immeasurably more than you and I can ask or imagine. Consider those who prayed like they knew what God can do. Abraham prayed like he knew God could keep his promise. Abraham's servant prayed like he knew God could keep his specific prayer. Jacob prayed like he knew God would bless him. Joshua, Joseph prayed like he knew God would rescue him. Moses prayed like he knew God could part the sea. Gideon prayed like he knew God could turn his weakness into strength. Samson prayed like he knew God could give him strength once again. Hannah prayed like she knew God could give her a son. David prayed like he knew God. Elijah prayed like he knew Yahweh is God and God alone. Jeremiah prayed like he knew God could forgive anyone. Naomi prayed like she knew God could send Ruth a husband. Hezekiah prayed like he knew God could extend his life. Daniel prayed like he knew God could protect him. Paul prayed like he knew God could influence the government. The disciples prayed like they knew God could make them bold. And Jesus prayed like he knew God could do what he said. Harlem, do you pray like you know? Because if you don't know, now you know. We can go to God because we know what God can do. And we know who God is. When you rely on your education, you get what your education can produce. When you rely on your talents, you get what your talents can produce. When you rely on your strength, you get what your strength can produce. But when you rely on prayer, you get what God can produce. And to God be the glory.